All right, friends, you are listening to the Shai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Boca Raton to the world. But we're broadcasting the message of Jerusalem and the land of Israel and Hebron, of course, on the land of Israel network. Shalom and welcome, everybody. I'm outside right now in Boca Raton under a beautiful sky, beautiful palm trees. And wherever I go, wherever there's a beautiful world, I am blessing it. I'm blessing these fancy houses and these fancy cars and this great land, land teeming with life, Florida. And it's also teeming with Jewish life. And I'm just blessing everybody around here. That is what I've learned, that you don't, uh, you don't have to be jealous and you don't have to send bad energies. You have to send only good energies to the world. And that's what really will attract good energies, which is sending out good energies. Speaking of good energies, uh, I've just been traveling for, I don't know, 30, 35 hours. I really don't know. I took a flight, you know, just getting to the airport, drove myself to the airport in, in Ben Gurion in, uh, in the Tel Aviv area, Lode. And then from there, flying all the way to... Uh, to JFK, uh, beautiful flight, and then landing in JFK, getting to the JetBlue terminal, waiting there for two, three hours, eating one of those uh, Cliff Bars and, you know, one of those juices that they have with the OU symbol, and then uh, flying down here to Florida and getting the car and all that, traveling, 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 and I'm here. Uh, I want to also bless my good friend Dan Mastery and his wonderful family. It was great to see him. He's an ardent, strident, strong listener to the show, and it's a blessing to be his friend and to see him here. And I want to thank all of you guys. I want to thank uh, my good friend Jack uh, and, uh, and his, wife, his sister Sarah. Uh, and all the good people, Nathan and Moshe, and all the folks that make this show possible, all of you. Uh, I want to thank my good friend Lando. Maybe I'll be, get a chance to see him down here. any case, I am down in Florida, and as I said, I'm blessing folks. At the same time, uh, it's time for the show, and uh, because I'm not with Rabbi Mike, and because I'm, through, I'm, I'm in traveling, I want to play for you a very, um, I think a fun, and I hope special, I actually haven't heard it. It's a talk that I gave... Uh, just a few days ago for an organization that I never heard of called Artvark. And they're a um, year-long Massa program for students. And they brought me in, you know, and I'm getting, I'm getting brought in a lot to do the, the right-wing talk. And, uh, you know, what is the right wing? So basically, that's, that's, what, that's, what, uh, that's what educators are asking. They're like, who's, who's the right wing? Who, like, who are you? What do you represent? What do you stand for? Are you xenophobic and hateful and all that? So uh, I come in and I try to give a talk. And, and these are not easy talks to give because this is really with young people, with millennials. They have a different way of thinking, different ways of just, you know, they have different experiences and, and different education systems. So I'm out there trying to talk to them. I love it because it gives me a chance to talk with young people and uh, get their um, get a sense of where they're at and it's so important for a guy like me to not get stuck uh, you know talking to people my age and older and also to to understand where young people are at these days and the challenges that they're facing in, inside their mind because we have a war for the mind here ladies and gentlemen uh 70 years ago we had a war for the jewish body right now we have a war for the jewish mind that's what's happening so uh, i got a chance to talk with Ardvark, and uh i want to uh I want to bless you folks uh, to, to be able to speak to young people, to connect where you are, and I want you to send me good energies. Uh, I'm meeting some people here tomorrow uh, that are going to hopefully help the continuing of the building project of Hebron and, and Hebron and, and the land of Israel, and I want you to bless me for success, and I want to bless you for success, and more than anything, 
when I come down here to, to the United States, notice I said you come down. You got to come down to the United States because the land of Israel is higher. But at the same time, we, gotta, we can't be looking down at our brothers and sisters. Not at all. What we got to do when we're here in Florida and when we're thinking about Israel from Florida and about Florida from Israel is we got to hold hands across the Atlantic. Folks, we got to love one another. Right now is not a time to look down at fellow Jews or to or to be the type of folks that that sow division. We got to sow unity, togetherness, not let ourselves, not let our peoplehood drift apart. That's a big part of, of something that I've learned, which is really bless your brothers and sisters, hold hands together, love the family, love the family and, and keep it together and keep us connected, keep the next generation connected. That's, I think, also what this talk is about. It's really about me uh, looking down to folks younger than me and saying, hey, you know, I want to make you part of the program. I want to help you understand things that I understand, but I also want to understand what you are understanding. I'm learning from you and I'm connecting to you. And so therefore, um, you know, don't worry, I'm not like turning all gooey and lovey. It's the love that makes us stronger for the war. And it's the war that also reminds us that we need to love one another. So there's a lot to do out there. And so here is my talk uh, for Aardvark before I uh, uh, get off uh, uh, the little monologue here and let you listen to that. I just want to remind you, write me an email, Yishai at the land of Israel. Dot com. You should at the land of Israel.com. We have many more great shows here on the network. I want to say hi to my good friend Andy in Atlanta, uh, who's doing great work. I want, to, I want to say hi to all the folks that I don't always say hi to. I can't do it right now. I'm tired. I haven't slept. I don't even, you know, I barely know where I am on the, on the globe. But one thing is for sure is that... Uh, is that the folks that are listening to the show are part of this program of making the Jewish people stronger. And I also want to throw out to my brothers and sisters um, at Hayovel and other organizations of my non-Jewish Gentile brothers and sisters uh, who are part of the fight as well, who know who know where it's at. you got to just know where it's at. you got to know what's up and down, you know? The world is divided into, into those two simple categories. Either you, know, either you know what's up or you don't know what's up. And uh, we, there's a lot of good folks who know what's up. You know what's up, folks? Beautiful stars. There's a God above, and he's keeping us uh, together. Here's my talk with Aardvark, uh, an organization uh, named after uh, an anteater. Uh, and, uh, you know, you gotta be an anteater. You gotta get in those, you know, <laughs> you know, holes and scoop up those ants, those little sparks that, that need to come, uh, to join the story. All right, folks, God bless you from Boca Raton. And I'll be traveling for the next week and a half. Write me an email, yishai at thelandofisrael.com, yishai at thelandofisrael.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. God bless you and enjoy the talk. And it's simple. What does Zionism mean? I love this country. I want, I want to love our country. By the way, a little thing is that I don't, I don't, I don't like to. I made a mistake. I made a verbal mistake. I tried. I made a verbal mistake. I don't usually like to say uh, this country. I like to say our country. It's a little verbal thing. Uh, also, when you deal with Israelis, never say, you know, the Israelis or you Israelis do this, this, and that. I say we Israelis. I mean, I'm an Israeli, and that's just. It's just a little linguistic thing. I change it around and just, I take part in this great project called Israel. And I think you're taking part in it. That's really great. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really, I don't want to say proud of you, but I'm like very, like I'm, I'm, I'm moved by the fact that that's what you're doing for the year. You don't necessarily have to be here, right? On a hard part. Uh, so my thing is that, is that my name is Ishai Fleischer. Ishai Fleischer, you asked. Where I'm from, I'm originally from Haifa, Israel. <coughs> 
Uh, my parents were Russian refuseniks. They were people who tried to get out from the Soviet Union in the early 70s. The Soviet Union was like one big jail. Okay, so they had to fight. And they were like, messed around with the KGB, and they were in jail, all kinds of stuff. They finally got out. And I was born here in 1976. I don't know how spiritual you guys are, but the day that I was born, the Entebbe plane was, hit, was kidnapped. And don't laugh, my circumcision day was the day of the rescue. And so like my first little baby days in this world were filled probably with all those prayers, thoughts, yearnings, and, and doubt, and fears, and all that energy that permeated the air here in Israel. And that really, I think it affected my psychology of who I am today. How do I know? Because I, I like, um, Whenever, when, my, when I was born here in Israel, my parents took me out of Israel at the age of eight. But I always returned. I went to America, to Wayne, New Jersey. Wayne, New Jersey. And I always wanted to come back to be a soldier here in Israel. I always wanted to be a parachute. And, and I did. That's exactly what happened. It always called me back. And I think it has something to do with the fact that those guys flew out there to rescue those hostages out of Entebbe and bring them home. And that whole idea, like, it, 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 it fills my mind to this very day, you know? Uh, that we have something to do here, we have to fight for our people, we have to defend our own country, and to keep it strong, and to make it successful. And uh, it is very successful in a lot of ways, but don't let that deceive you and fool you. We're still very much under threat here all the time. One of the big mistakes I find that young people make today is that they think that like Israel's like, you know, you've got, you got the Jacqueline bar going, you know, it's all good, Tel Aviv, you know, it's all like taken care of. It's done, but it's very far from done. And it's very far from totally safe. Very far from totally safe. Economically, we still have a lot of things that are very weak and broken. A lot of poor people in our country. Um, we have Holocaust survivors who are not getting their due. We got young people who are not going to beautiful schools. We got, we got uh, security-wise, we are really surrounded by a lot of dangers and threats. It's easy to think not, right? You, get, you listen to the news, it's like, yo, Israel's the baller. It's like, boom, it's kind of... It's got power, and everybody else is like these poor people. Oh my God, they're like so, you know, sad and and, and sub subdued by this big power, Israel. That's a joke. Israel's a tiny little country in the middle of a huge Arab region, and sadly, a lot large parts of that region today are also jihadist in their way of thinking. What is jihadist? What is jihadist? Jihadist is like the Arab like journey, isn't it? Like as a lifelong journey, isn't it supposed to be to That's the hot. Dude, that is very very beautiful what you're saying. That's not what I'm talking about. You know that's like saying war. It's like, what is war? War is when you're fighting for yourself to make yourself better. There's a truth in that. Then there's another war, right? When you take out guns and shoot people. That's a different kind of war. I'm talking about the latter jihad, not the former, okay? When referring to what you see in the news, like ISIS, Muslim Brotherhood, Iran, uh, the, the mullahs in Iran in any case, Wahhabism out of Saudi Arabia. I'm talking about the dangers that Israel faces. I'm talking about why there's so many soldiers, why people your age are soldiers, Israelis, are soldiers on the front lines of Gaza, of Lebanon, uh, you know, and, and the general situation that we face here, which is still very much under threat, okay? And that's something that I want to, like, like, a lot of times, and maybe, like, the left-winger speaker that you had before, like, they have a different perspective. In their mind, we're the big power, we've got to give, we're taking away somebody else's rights. In my mind, we're the small, tiny minority in this region, we are totally defensive and continue to think and behave defensively because A, our peoplehood has been persecuted for the last 2,000 years, everywhere we've gone, 
including the apex of it, which was the Holocaust. And we continue to be defensive, including the surrounding uh, areas and dislike of Israel and Jews and minorities in general, and what I call jihad. Okay? So that's just a different mindset. It's like a different, it's a totally different mindset. When you have like a, with that other mindset, where you're like, I've got to give rights, I'm taking away people's rights, and your whole thing is like, I'm big, and I should be magnanimous, and it's, it's not even good to have power, you know, you should be, you know, the, the people who are poor are the good people, the people who are, you know, strong are the bad people. That's a whole, I, I don't want to say it, but that's what's considered today the liberal approach. My approach is not like that. My approach is, we're small, we're defensive, we've got to fight for our rights, and our people don't have our rights assured yet at all. Far from it. Far from it. Moreover, uh, although you'll see that I absolutely care about the Arab minorities in this country, in our country, and, and I want to make sure that everybody has rights and decency, I'm an advocate for the Jewish people. Zionism is not the creation of Palestinian states. No, Zionism is the creation of a Jewish state, making sure that our people are defended, making sure that our culture goes up and, and develops, and making sure later, after those first two things, that our people are defended, our culture is, 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 um, rises up here, is successful here, then we can be a light out to the nations. That's like, you know, leg number three of what we're supposed to do as a country. But first and foremost, defend our people. Second thing, help our culture rise up. What do I mean by our culture? It could be something like Torah, but it could also mean when it says Chak Sameach on the, on the buses. It says, Happy Purim of the Buses. That's like, wow, that's Hebrew culture. That's Jewish culture in our land. If there's a play in Tel Aviv in Hebrew, that's Hebrew culture, okay? And all that other stuff, by the way, all that stuff is beautiful. High tech and all that stuff. I love that stuff. I love, just by the way, what does Zionism mean to me also? I love Hebron, where I work, and I love Tel Aviv. You know what I mean? I love, I love secular Tel Aviv and religious Hebron. I love the mountains of Hermon and the desert of Eilat. To me, that's like, it's all our stuff. It's all our stuff. There's no like, oh, I'm a Jerusalem guy and I'm not into the secular television. No, no, no way. It's all one country, it's all one thing, and it's our tiny little country that we have to really love. By the way, it's a very simple, it's a very simple formula. Just say, I love Israel. Just say that like to yourself. I love Israel. It's easy. I, so I say to myself, I love Israel. I say that every day. I've been here now back after my, uh, basically what happened was I was here to the age of eight, moved to America. I lived there from 8 till 17. I was in high school in America. I came back here. I was for four years in yeshiva and in the army and the paratroopers. And then I moved back to America, went to undergraduate at Yeshiva University, graduated at Cardozo Law School, and then I made Aliyah and I, and I came to work here in media and pro Israel media. Today, I, I got married in, in, in those two years when I was in law school. We flew three years when I was in law school. The second year, we went to Hebron to get married. Okay? Uh, right. What is Hebron? What is Hebron, bro? Well, bro, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a city in the West Bank. So far, so good. Alright. It's highly disputed. Correct. And it's where you got married. What's it to the Jewish people? Oh, uh... And the caves of Abraham's well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Patriarchs and matriarchs, or, or I don't like the word patriarchs and matriarchs, makes it sound so, you know, kind of uh, antiquated. It's really um, the tombs of our fathers and mothers, the tombs of our forefathers and mothers. That's, who, who, you know, don't raise your hand. Who here identifies, do, do not raise your hand. Who here identifies themselves as Jewish? Forget if you're, forget if you're religion, huh? Forget if you're religious or not. Forget if you're observant or you care about that stuff. If you identify yourself as Jewish, right, that means that you're part of a peoplehood a race, an ethnicity, a family, or a tribe, 
right? A lot of times, here's the problem with American Jews. They start to think that Judaism is a religion and a culture where we're like, oi, we say oi, we make little jokes, we eat bagels, okay? Or we go to the synagogue once a year. It's so damn annoying. Mom makes me put on a clothes shirt. You know, it's like, it's like that's what Judaism becomes. You come here to Israel, you're like, oh, oh my God, Judaism is not... Like Judaism is not just a culture or even a religion. It's a people. It's a peoplehood. It's a tribe of people, right? If you believe that, that you're part of a tribe of people, the founders, the, the heads of those, that peoplehood, the founders of our tribe are Abraham and Sarah. They're buried in Hebron. Our story tells us this. You don't have to believe it. Just believe that our people have believed it for a long time. That's where, that's where our founders are. And, and they are to this day. And the Jewish people have been yearning to come back to these places forever. Three generations ago, if you said Zionism, what was Zionism? Do you think that Zionism was to go to Tel Aviv? With all due respect, not to. But Zionism was to go back to Bethel, Beitel, Hebron, Shiloh, Shechem, Yerushalayim, sort of the eastern Jerusalem. That's the western wall. It's the Temple Mount, and Mount the Bible is where I live. Okay. So that's what Zionism was about, to go back to these places. To go back to these places. And so my thing, I started in college working to try to bring Jews back home on Aliyah. I started an organization called Kuma, which in Hebrew was, in English was Arise, Americans Return to Zion. Right? I was trying to get you to make Aliyah. See the beautiful star blanket. <laughs> What's the deal, bro? I'm What's cool. The, okay. <laughs> cool. It is a little cool. When I got to Israel, I, I, I stopped working just on Aliyah. I started working for our rights in our ancestral homeland. Fighting for our rights. A lot of people don't think that we have rights to live in these places. We have every right to live in this place. We have every right to live in these places. And yet, there's an Arab minority that lives there. So what? Okay. So what? Why, we don't have a right to live in the place where Arabs live? What, because, because they call for a state on, on a land uh, that was ancestrally ours? that we've won in wars, that we uh, was recognized as ours by the international community. Now just because somebody else says, I want this land to be my own, we're going to just be pushovers? Hey, Zionism is not about being a pushover. Zionism is about, the, for the first time in a long time, to be a little bit tough. Not to be bad, but to be badass. You know? It's okay. It's all right. There's nothing wrong with being a little bit strong. It's nothing wrong. You shouldn't be embarrassed about that. We really have been under the thumb for a long, long time. So being right-wing in part is about being strong and pushing back on bullies. That's what Jews are also part. We're not always just like the suffering, you know, behind the, the, the fences at Auschwitz. Like sometimes we're badass and we're back. And we're here to hold on to what's ours. We're here to fight for what's right. We're here to push back on bullies. Remember David and Goliath? Huh? I didn't see the movie, but yeah. You know, I, I don't care for the position that the movie took, but yeah, people who were Nazis were going to get hunted down and we'll get them. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that in my opinion. At the same time, though, ironically, here's one thing that you'll never hear. You'll, everything I just said you might hear about the right wing. What you might not hear about the right wing is we are not anti-Arab. Quite the opposite. In a lot of ways, we actually are close to the Arabs. We feel ourselves culturally close to them. They pray. We pray. Uh, they understand the Middle East. We understand the Middle East. You know, they have a similar language. They're our cousins. We don't, we don't detest them at all. I find a lot of times that on the left wing, what they really want is to put Arabs on the other side of a wall and never want to see them again. Bye, have a nice state, I don't care what it is, jihad or not, it's your business, just get out of my life. We're not like that at all. We have no problem with an Arab minority living in our country as long as you accept our sovereignty. 
You have to accept the fact that you're in a Jewish state. It's cool. You can live amongst us. If you want to call for a different state on our land, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have words. But if you are willing to live under our sovereignty, what's wrong with that? We'll give you a... <laughs> no problem. Enjoy. Overwhelm <coughs> up. Uh, huh? You know by the smell or not? <laughs> okay, so my point is... My point is, is that we are not anti-Arab at all. In fact, we're willing to give Arabs the most decent life in the Middle East. The most decent life in the Middle East. Compare how Arabs live in this big region from Iraq to Syria to Egypt, bat, Sudan, North Africa. It's a mess. You want a really decent country? We're going to provide it for you. We're going to give you a very decent country to live in. And we're going to give you every right to keep your identity. Muslim, Palestinian, Arab, whatever you want. But if you call for a different state in our land, then we're going to have a problem. Because we have a tiny little land and we're going to defend it. We're going to defend our rights here. That's basically the gist of the, of, the, uh, of the whole story. It's a different position about how to see this region. It's a different position about our rights and whose rights we have to ensure. It's not hateful. Okay, I got a chance to, to publish this article in the New York Times. That is not easy. Maybe you don't know that, but it's not easy to get this thing published in the New York Times. And it was about alternatives to the two-state solution. <laughs> alternatives to the two-state solution means that... What's up? No, you can ask. Go ahead. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, alternatives to the two-state solution means that everybody's been telling us for a long time that the only way forward is to give away a huge chunk of our land, which was actually the ancestral homeland, Give that away, make a Palestinian state there, don't mind the fact that it's actually where all our history took place and it's the strategic high ground, it controls the rest. Like it looks down on Tel Aviv, looks down at the Jordan Valley. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the fact that jihad is the milieu of the region right now. Don't worry about that. Um, what else? Don't worry about history, don't worry about security, don't worry about the region. Go ahead, just try to give the land. Oh, and don't worry about the fact that what you think sounds good sounds very bad in, in, Muslim, in Muslim, Arab, or Middle Eastern years. Check this out. If I said to you, this, this is really important to me. See, this is really important to me, this thing. I'm willing to give it to you for peace. Isn't that beautiful? That's real. It's my heart, but I'm willing to give it to you for peace. Doesn't that sound nice? That sounds really nice. Here's what, here's what they think it sounds like. They, they, I mean, us Middle Easterners. Here's what it really sounds like. Like, oh yeah. Take my daughter, do whatever you want, just don't hurt us. It's like, I'm not, you know, I'm like, take this, I'm willing to negotiate about my values, I'm willing to negotiate about my Jerusalem, I'm willing to negotiate everything, just give me peace. What does the other side think? Oh my God, what a coward. What a, he's willing to negotiate on his core values? He's willing to negotiate on his Jerusalem? Something wrong with this guy. And there's only one thing that's going to happen, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get him down the line, just give me, I'll take what I can get today, and I'll get the rest tomorrow, because this guy's so weak, spineless, jellyfish, all right? That's what it sounds like in the other years. We're like, oh, that's so beautiful, come from a Western thing, compromise. The other side's like, he's willing to compromise in Jerusalem? There's something wrong with him. He's willing to compromise in the graves of his parents? He's willing, he, does not even, he doesn't even belong to, he, he doesn't even have the right to sit opposite these, because he's so weak. And nobody respects that here in this region. Nobody respects that in most places around the world. And so the very idea of giving our land away, which we believe is our historical homeland, to our, to our two people across the way, it was never going to work. And it never will work. 
Okay? Our leaders to this very day are selling you this thing. Two state, two land, uh, the, the, one land, two peoples, living two states side by side. And it's all BS. It's never going to happen. And every time we've walked away from any piece of land, it's only become our cancer. For example, Gaza. We walked out of Gaza, and what happened? Three wars in six years. We told them. We said, don't do it. It's going to be the biggest mistake. You're going to see. You're going to have a terrorist state right next door. What happened? Within six months, Hamas took over. Now all they're doing is tunneling and rocketing and, and, and poisoning the minds of the people that live there to hate. All right? Much better is to have control. Don't confuse, and the, and the left will always make you confused between these two things. Control and authority does not equal suppression or oppression. Control does not equal oppression. Law and order does not equal oppression. If I say to somebody, listen, you can exist in my country. If you call for my destruction, we're going to find you, we're going to jail you or whatever. That's control. That's not our authority. That's not necessarily suppression. We're going to give the most amount of rights and liberties. Possible. But we're not going to give people liberty to try to destroy us. All right? That's basically, in a nutshell, more or less, what the right wing is about. <coughs> we're about and, and also, maybe there's one more point, which is, I give you a lot of like a defense and, and an outlook of like strength. And at the end of the day, also, Hebron, East Jerusalem, Bethel, this is the heart of our people, guys and gals, okay? It's the heart of our people. Like Hebron, when you come to Hebron, when you stand in front of the tombs of the fathers and mothers, it's like you can feel something. It's like this is where, like, this is where it all began. In Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, that's where it all ends. You know, that's where our destiny is. And, and we're not going to like totally forget that just for practicality. If we really want to be practical, we'd all move to Brooklyn and forget about this project. You want peace? Walk out on this thing. And it's going to be much better. Everybody's going to be happy. Go to Brooklyn, Jews. All right? That's not the way it is. That's not our destiny. Our destiny is to come back home and build this thing and be strong and push back and build That is the way we see it. It's not hateful. It's actually regional. It's the way this region works. It's not because we're like angry, we're not angry, we're not, you know, we're, we're not trying to steal some, something from somebody. We know what's ours, we know our history, we know how tiny our thing is, we're just trying to defend it, and we're trying to love it and not give it away. By the way, they totally think that you, when you try to give away something that you love, they just think that you're sick, there's something wrong with you. You get no respect. Respect is the way you have to talk in the movies. You gotta speak in a language of respect. That's what people respect around here, it's like self-respect. All right, that's basically my, my stuff. I could talk about it for hours, but I want to hear a little bit from you, how you see the world, and what you think about these issues. All right? So here we go. Let's turn it over to you. Oh, quickly, I'd really be You don't have to go quickly. Hearing your solutions to this problem. Sure. I understand your mindset, your point of view, when you touched on it in the article, but I'd like to hear uh, a greater enunciation of what your plan is. Fair so, so we have the, I explained why the two-state solution does not work, in my opinion. Oh, P.S. I'm sharing with you my narrative. You don't have to buy it. <laughs> I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm not trying to even teach you. I'm trying to share with you the way we see the world. And a lot of times, people like myself get pretty, a pretty bad rap. And so here's your opportunity to hear my thing. That's just a little preamble. With regard to your question, what's your name? Asa. Eh? Asa. 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 Yes. What is that full name? What is it? Uh, Asa Young Grass. Asa. Asa. Yeah. Oh, okay. Asa. 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 Asa.
alternatives to the two-state solution? Asked by Asa, here's your answer. Here we go. They're all written out in that article, okay? Number one is that Jordan is Palestine. Jordan is an 80% Palestinian state. We don't kick out the Arabs into Jordan. We say, you guys stay in Judea and Samaria in the West Bank. These are interchangeable words. You stay living in Judea and Samaria. We annex Judea and Samaria. You become residents of the state of Israel, but you vote in Jordan. That way you're both getting all your democratic rights by voting as an expatriate living nearby. You have, you have a Palestinian state whose capital is Amman, okay? And you vote, in, you vote for Amman, but you live as residents in the state of Israel. Let's call Jordan as Palestine. Great option. Let me just go through them first, quickly. Only problem with that option is we don't control Jordan. Okay? Also, P.S., by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of this talk, I turn on the phone and Jordan is gone. Just want you to know that Jordan is on the brink. It could turn into ISIS or something else, or Muslim Brotherhood, at any minute. The only reason it's, it's artificially kept up by Israel and the West. Okay? It's a totally fake monarchy. Long story, but the bottom line is it could overturn at any time. But that's the Jordan is Palestine option. It's an old option. Option number two is Naftali Bennett, he's the education minister. He says, annex Area C. Area C is where the Jews live. About 400,000 Jews live in uh, the West Bank. Annex just those parts. Leave the other parts <coughs> as an autonomy or whatever it is. We'll figure it out later. But give the Israelis that live in Judea and Samaria and the ancestral homeland rights um, to live under normal Israel. This has a lot of legal ramifications. And there's about 40,000 Arabs there living in these parts. Give them, give them full citizenship. Vet Shalom of Israel. Everything is great. Okay, option number three is by Mordechai Kedar, a good friend of mine, a great professor. And Mordechai Kedar says, you guys got it all wrong. Palestinians are not one people. This is a very Western concept. They are, in fact, a bunch of tribes, just like tribes of Saudi Arabia and these places. They're not actually one conglomerate. This Western <coughs> idea that you can conglomerate different tribes in, in a border is, is, is a totally fake uh, a, a solution that doesn't work actually around here. Give the seven various emirates, he calls them, in this land, self-rule and autonomy based on a tribal muhtar uh, 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 system, okay? And let them live like that and they'll be happy, you'll see, and they'll take care of the jihad also because the muhtar is always saying to jihad, and this is, this, there's a lot more explanation about that, but the bottom line is it dovetails with option number two. We annex area C and these other areas like Hebron, Shechem, and Tukarim become these semi-autonomous muhtar uh, uh, ruled places, okay? Option number four, Caroline Blick says, guess what? She's an author of the Jerusalem Post. She says, forget about it. Uh, the, the big threat that everybody's talking about is the demographic threat, that the Arabs are going to overrun us, but that's not the truth at all. The Arabs are lying about their numbers. We actually have an, uh, uh, our, our um, birth rate is going up. Their birth rate is going down. And we're going to outpopulate them. And next, don't worry, we're still a 60% majority. In about 20, 30 years, we'll be an 89% majority. Just keep going. Don't worry about it. Give them rights, annex. Or there's, uh, within her framework is other options. For example, one that I think is a little bit more sensical, which is annex, give residency, and a pathway to citizenship for those people who prove loyalty. Annex, take the land that's ours, that's ancestrally ours, that international law actually gives, recognizes ours. Move into these places, make it regular Israel. Give the Arabs there or other minorities residency with a pathway to citizenship for those people who prove loyalty. And how do you do that? Uh, that's exactly what we do in Jerusalem. That's what we've done with Jerusalem Arabs and the Golan Arabs. We've given them residency and a pathway to citizenship. It works. It works just fine. It's not awesome, awesome, but it works. And option number five is, uh, it's in the article also, which is, 
help Arabs emigrate. Those Arabs who want to leave the country and want to move to a more Arab country, help them, pay them, uh, not pay, compensate them. Help them move to a different Arab country because there are, there are 22 other Arab countries. By the way, how many Arabs are there? Over 300 million in this region. How many Jews are there? About six. Okay? Just understand the situation around here. How many countries are in the Islamic uh, country, um, organization of Islamic countries? 55. 55 Islamic countries. One tiny Jewish state. Okay? So let's kind of be real about who's got to give what to who, you know? Uh, so those are some of the alternatives. Which one is the right one? I don't know. I'm willing to discuss it. Here's what I do know, though, for sure, which is when they say that the two-state solution is the only solution that is a lie. That is, not only is it a lie, but it's actually proven falsity. It's proven that the two-state solution or land for peace, giving land away to get peace, is a formula that only yields war and destruction. So I know for sure that the two-state solution is not the only solution. That I know for sure. Okay? And I'm willing to have a discussion with smart people about alternatives. Let's open it up. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay? Yeah, thank you. Ma'am, you have a question? I was just going to ask about the Jewish majority before you answer it. Um, <laughs> next. How do you, oh, sorry. Go ahead. How do you, what do you, you said prove the loyalty to the Jewish state. What does that actually mean? You swear, you give an oath of loyalty, you pay taxes, you don't get gathered together with other people to talk about jihad and destruction. You're loyal. It's not that hard. You swear allegiance to America and the United States, and if you, if you uh, don't fulfill that allegiance, they'll arrest you. It's not so hard. Swear loyalty to the Jewish state, except the fact, again, we want a mosque, have a mosque. You want to be Palestinian, Arab, Muslim, no problem. But if you want to make war against Israel, if you want to kind of dig underneath it, we'll get you. Okay? If you want to live as a, as a minority with your belief system in our country, all we ask is that you respect the fact that you're living in a Jewish state. Which is not so easy, because it's, under Islam, it's not very easy. It's not very easy. Because under Islam, there's, there's religious problems with that. Living under what they really do believe, that we don't have a right to have a sovereign, powerful state here in this region. They think of it as an Arab region, a Muslim region, and they think that we should be around as a second-class citizen in their general region. They don't have a problem with us being here as long as we're subdued, pay a tax, and treated generally pretty poorly. Uh, they have a problem with us having they, the people, more Islamically-minded or jihadist-minded folks, have a problem with it, a religious problem. They're going to have to overcome. They're going to have to get over. It. Either they're going to have to accept the fact that we're here. Either live here with us and accept that fact or leave and go do your Sharia law other stuff in your countries. But Ama, so this is our country. Yes? Yeah, I was gonna talk about um you said it's you know like you want a more majority in the Jewish in the country. But what about like Palestinian Christians as well? And like there's you say it's you know mainly Muslims, but there's also Palestinian Christians. What about in the sense to where like you feel like they're misrepresented, but you know their side at all. You know like Palestinian Christians, Palestinian Christians are some of the most pathetic uh, folks around here because they are being abused by the jihad much more than us. Because my friend, what's your name? Harrison. Harrison. Harrison, there's two kinds of minorities here in this region. Armed and unarmed. Okay? Yazidis, Copts, Christians in general, they're unarmed and they're on the way out. For example, in Bethlehem, there used to be a majority Christian Palestinian city. 
Today, there's almost less than 20% of their being destroyed, destroyed by the jihad. Of course, Israel's not doing anything about it because we're not in control there, so we let the bad guys do whatever they want with other people, okay? Under Israeli rule, we would protect our minorities. We'd make sure that they would be safe and be able to have their, uh, you know, their, 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 their lifestyle. Real quick, my question is, do you feel like, you know, like how much is too much minorities? Do you like, like if you said the way of return? I have no problem with minorities. There's no right of return for people, uh, for non-Jews in this land. If you want right of return, you have 22 outsiders. Obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying like that. Like, like if they assimilate and become Israeli citizens, and you know, like you say, what it's about, but like, if they come over, you know, they won't. It won't be a Jewish majority. I really not worried about that. The, the 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 as I was saying before, the demographics are not looking in that direction at all. And moreover, um, <coughs> this little country is our land, and the people that live here can live here in peace, and they're not going to be a threat to us. Anybody who is a threat to us will not have to deal with them. Yes. Thoughts, issues, come on. Something a little light. Yes, ma'am. Yes, so, um, I just learned about this in the politics class here, but. Um, so, we'll have to unteach you everything. Don't worry about it. Okay, possibly. But, but I didn't really understand the full issue, and I want to know how you feel about it. The, um, the Ethiopian refugees, or whatever, whatever they should be called. Sudanese. Uh, sorry, Are you talking about Tel Aviv and stuff? Yeah, yeah, not, not the Ethiopian. And Eritrea? Eritrea and Sudanese. Yeah, so like, well, what, what do you think should be done with them? They're, they're still sitting here, right? Basically? That's a fine question. I'll, give you, I'll, give, I'll try to give you an answer. It's usually not an issue I deal with so much. First thing, that's a good question. I appreciate also getting out of the... That's, that's, a little, that's, that's interesting to me to consider because it's just a different issue a little bit. Uh, look, Israel, on the one hand, has to be a country that is liberal in the sense that it really helps people who are in trouble and all that. We went through the Holocaust and all that. I get it. At the same time, we can never make a situation where we're endangering ourselves. We're a tiny country. We're not really equipped to take you know, a whole swath of refugees into our country. Um, and, and anybody who does come in, I was just speaking with a Sudanese refugee. No, no, no. He was from Rwanda. And he told us about how, like, as opposed to what you read in the news, he's like, Israel treats us like with kid gloves, like they put us on a hotel, as opposed to the, the awful stuff that we face, uh, you know, on this journey here. And I really, I'm happy about that on the one hand. On the other hand, I don't think we can be, you know, a, a refuge for all of Africa. Africa's a really troubled, troubled place. Yeah. A really very troubled place, really, I like... I, I pray for Africa, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's messed up. It's really messed up. It's a, it's a tough, yeah. It's, you know, it's like it's, like it's a messed up place. Uh, but we can't handle all those refugees. Uh, imagine, though, I mean, here, here's, here's, here's like right-wing thinking, okay? Okay. Imagine if we had control of the Sinai as we had twice already in Israeli history. And the Sinai was not given away to Egypt, which was never even Egyptian. And the whole thing's a sham. It was never turned out good for us. But imagine if we control the Sinai, we can create refugee camps there, we can teach people their skills, and have them go back to their countries. Like, I would love to see if we could help these refugees get a skill here, not just survive here, get a skill, learn how to, I don't know, what, make clean water, make an economy and all that, train them on certain technologies, and send them back to the, where they're from to make a life. Uh, I don't know if we can solve the problems of Africa. But it would be nice to be aligned to the nations in some way. All right. Thank you.
Yes, ma'am. Um, what are your thoughts on all the Palestinians that were displaced uh, after the War of Independence or the War of Nakba? So the word Nakba means the tragedy. The great tragedy. Tragedy. So we don't think it's a tragedy. I know. Yeah. We think we think that there was a war. People, we were attacked mercilessly. They were trying to throw us into the sea. They were trying to finish off the work of the Holocaust. That's in their language, not mine. And uh, Israel was miraculously, you know, stronger. And those people ran. They ran because they, they were part of a war. They listened to their leaders. Those who didn't run, by the way, are still here pushed, today. A lot of them were pushed out. Some were pushed out because... Of, because so the people be, that... Shnei they were pushed out because a huge Arab world was trying to crush us. And we were trying to defend ourselves here in this place, and we pushed out some foreign nationals who were, who were dangerous to people who threatened us, people who were willing to be part of that war. At least that's the way it seemed. And at the same time, you have to know that about 800,000 Jews were kicked out of all the Arab countries. So in certain senses, it's a kind of fair exchange of populations. You kicked us out of you know, our homes, took away all of our property in Yemen and in Egypt and in Syria, and Arabs ran out of here and went to Arab countries and should be repatriated. I mean, they should be normal part of... Arab, uh, the Arab world. It was a war, a very, very bloody and bitter war for a year, and a lot of people ran. And that's when you, when you're, when you're part of that conflict, you lose your, you lose your property. So that, that's what happened to them. And I don't, you know, like. I, I, I feel bad, of course, about the human tragedy of it. But on the other hand, again, understand that, that we're the tiny country and they have the same culture, the same language in this whole region. Not that they weren't living here. I'm not, I'm not denying the fact that they were living here. But we were also kicked out of our houses. We went back to our land. And back in the, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, there was an idea of exchange of populations. You know, India and Pakistan, Greece and Turkey. People like switched sides to go to like more, even if they lost, left their house, they went back to live with their native peoples. Okay, so it's, it's not very, listen, don't, don't misunderstand me, it's not, it's not very sweet. There's, there's, there is unsweetness in war. I'm not trying to tell you that we did everything perfectly and all that kind of stuff. It's a war. Uh, they were on the side of destroying us, most of them. They ran. But not all of them. No, not all of them. Of course, but I said, I, I said, I said, I said most of them. Okay. You know, and, and I'm, I, war is a much more, war turns you into, in, in wartime, it's not about individuals. It becomes really about swaths. And they, in general, sided with, with, our, with our enemies, wanted to destroy us. And we're, we're told, leave the country so you can come back and take whatever you want from the Jews. That didn't happen. Yes? What are your thoughts about the claim that sometimes Yodav Shimon are getting way more budget than like, other places in the country that actually need it sometimes? Like I read somewhere that Bithel now have a budget for the fence that they're building around the city. Um, and some of this budget can really help other civilians that like actually live in Israel. And again, like, I'm right wing and living in the right, like the West Bank. I just wonder, like, what do you think? Sure. Uh... Most of that stuff is always blown out of proportion. There's a lot of people who want to make the quote-unquote settlements look bad. At the end of the day, if you go to the settlements, you could see it's not richer or more developed than Tel Aviv on any level. These are exaggerations a lot of times. Uh, but I think that the settlements are the forward units, the elite units of Zionism. And they're in the front line, and they need to be defended from really very... Um, Dangerous neighbors. And so, yeah, they need those fences and they need that, that stuff in order to continue to, to settle and hold on to our homeland. Uh, thank God Tel Aviv doesn't need as much of that. Thank God. Thank no, God. I'm not talking about like Yerucham, like 
Our country wastes, let me tell you something, if, there's, I, if you want me to talk about money waste, let's just go to the Jewish agency. There's $100 million being wasted all the time. There's many, many organizations in the country. The army itself, which I you know, love and I'm a soldier myself, wastes a lot of money. There's a lot of waste that you could cut. Putting a fence around Beitel is not a waste. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of pocketing of the money. There's other places. I, I would love to see more money go to Europe. You know, we have a rich country. We have a rich country, but somehow it doesn't trickle down a lot of times to people who need it, and that's a general problem, okay? But I don't think it's a problem of the settlements. That's, that, is, that is, the people who come up with those phrases are people who want to undermine the settlements. They don't give a damn about Yerucham. They just want to make Beitel look bad. That's what I think. Other questions? Uh, you uh, had a question, didn't you? I had more questions. No, but you had the first. Hold on, let me get a few more people. Hold on, just hold on. Oh, no, it's cool, it's cool. Just, just hold on. Let's see, maybe, maybe some gals are here. So, uh, you, were, you wanted to ask. No? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, of all of these uh, solutions that you just came up with, which one? I didn't did just come up with it. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. You just listed out to us. Yeah. Um, of these solutions, uh, which one do you think uh, Palestinians would view as the most viable? Uh, have these been, is there any kind of organization which gives these solutions to Palestinians and, and kind of asks about their opinions on them? I like that question very much. It's a very good question. I really like that question. Um, <coughs> so, okay, okay, shh. This is, I have to give a serious answer here, and I'll tell you that. Hey, what was the question? The question was, which, basically, which solution would the Palestinians want? <laughs> sorry, I apologize. Sorry. I'm sorry, sorry. So, the answer is a little bit complex, okay? It's going to take me just, like, two different parts, and we're going to piece them all together at the end, okay? In Hebron, 80% of Hebron votes for Hamas. Okay? Hamas, like, to destroy Israel properly. So that's the solution that they want. They want to see the end of Israel. That's 80% of Hebron. At the same time, in Hebron, we also have Arabs who hate the Palestinian Authority, hate Hamas, hate the Jihad, and want to live as residents under Israel. Okay? I'm going to say something not politically correct, but that's okay. Um, because we're actually thinking people and not like limited to like the political rigidity that we've been taught. I think the Palestinians and the Arabs will generally accept what we, what we decide is going to be the rule in this land. Again, the consciousness is that we're the balibatim, we're the owners, we're the proprietors, we're the sovereigns in this small chunk of land. Recently, a poll was taken by, on Palestinians. Some 80% of them want Sharia law, believe in Sharia law. Well, we're not going to have that. It's not going to happen. So what we got to do here is we got to be decisive. We got to be more robust. Here's a word I don't like to use because people misinterpret it. We have to be more masculine, more assertive. When I mean by masculine, I don't mean male. I mean, as a society, we have to be more, we have to say, this is what we want. This is the way it's going to be. And people are going to accept that. People are going to respect that when you speak with clarity. When you speak with clarity. And many Arabs that are on our side, and many of those exist, and I speak with them all the time, they're always telling us, the only way with the Arab world is speak in clarity, in force, I don't mean force violence, but like be willing to be violent if necessary. But like with assertiveness, with clarity, this is the way it's going to be. And they'll accept that. The problem is, is that when you're always turning them and saying, well, what do you want? Well, you know what I want? I want no Jews here. Okay. You know what I want? I want, the, you know, I want Islam to be victorious. I want my thing to be victorious. Well, I can't give you that. 
and therefore I'm not going to really ask. At the same time, there are many, many Arabs who, when living under Israel, will tell you this is the best country to live in. The ones that accept the fact that Israel is just that strong that it's not going to cave into the pressures from the outside, they'll, they accept the fact that this is a good country, a great country, and they can live here in peace. You can meet many, many people like that. Many Arabs. I, I deal with Arabs all the time, and many of them accept that. By the way, what I'm talking to you about, uh, Asa, is, is, is the way this region operates. That's the way, what I just said to you is not like a tough guy Jewish thing. It's like that's the way of this region. Be strong, assert yourself, say your thing, and people will have to accept it. That's just the way this region works. It's a regional way of talking and thinking, as opposed to your question, which in itself was not like any other place in this whole region. Nobody asks the local population, you know, what do you want? It's not like that. If you want to fight like a Kurd for self-determination, do it, you know? And you'll either win or you won't. Uh, that's just the way it's got to be. That's the way, and we've got to defend ourselves. Yeah. Somebody here had a question or were you just stretching? No. Stretching. Yes! Why do you carry it? What, before I answer that, why do you think? I'm just wondering. And I'm also wondering, what do you think? I don't know. Did you say work in Hebron. Oh, what's your name? Daniel. Daniel. Shh. This is an important conversation. Daniel, I... It's all good. So we're just having a talk. I work in Hebron, and I live here on the Mount of Olives close by. I believe, though, that if I lived anywhere in this country, I would want to have a country. Why? Lots of crazy people. Uh, Jewish people throughout the last 2,000 years were dead, were unarmed. And we were persecuted. <coughs> now that we're home and we have right to bear weapons, it's like our privilege. Like to me, I'm like, I would, I would want to, in fact, sometimes I, like, I decide to move and live in a certain place so that they won't take away my gun. Meaning to say, like having a gun is such a value to me even though guns themselves are disgusting things that shoot lead pellets into people, but they're great equalizers, and people are not, never again, nobody's going to give us another Holocaust again because we're able to defend ourselves. So to me, it's actually a great value to hold a gun. In fact, I always tell group leaders, one second, I always tell group leaders, I wish you would take all these young people shooting one day. Something happens when you hold a gun and you shoot to defend the Jewish people. You're like, whoa, I got that in me? I got that in me? And boys and girls I'm talking about. I got that in me, that I can defend the Jewish people, I can defend Israel. It's like something like primordial comes over, you're like, wow, I can be a defender. And when you're in America, you know, you like totally forget that, unless you live in like Texas or something, you know? You totally forget, right? Am I right? Am I talking yeah, about Yeah, no, the first time, I, I have some cousins who live in Georgia, and they're very liberal. First time we took, they were, so, they were super against guns. First time we took them shooting, they're like, wow, this is like <laughs> incredible. It's not just fun, but they feel, they feel like, they feel like... They like, feel strong. Yeah, they feel strong. They feel like, oh, like, oh. Right. Yeah. I, oh, now, now this gun, one more second. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> This gun is not an offensive weapon. Shh, one sec, one sec. This gun is to defend my people. And by the way, if I saw two Arabs killing one another, I would try to, to stop that also. I'm like, a, in my mind, I'm like a volunteer police officer. I'm here to keep the peace. I'm part of Israel's defense and security. I'm, I'm, I'm here to defend us right now. What if, what if what, right, right now in this room, what if, what if a terrorist came in shooting right now? Really, right now in this room? You think it's impossible? You think it's totally impossible? Somebody came in here. 
I, I, I'm security minded. Imagine somebody just ran through that door and started either macheting you or, or shooting. What would you do? Oh, what are you laughing at? You think people are coming with knives? Yeah. Yo, I'm serious. I'm serious now. Think about that. Now, we believe part of like right wing is like never again. I won't let that happen. I carry that gun to protect this, this group of people. And, uh, and myself and my family and our society. I think it's a great and important privilege to take up. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of, uh, and I'm completely against the laws here in Israel that say that if you live in Tel Aviv, you can't have a gun because it's safe there. That's totally BS. There's been so many terror attacks in Tel Aviv. Recently, there was a guy running around with a knife in Tel Aviv. You couldn't stop him. A guy hit him with a guitar. Nobody could stop him until a policeman came and shot him. Here in Jerusalem, every time there's a terrorist thing, within a few seconds, the guy gets neutralized because somebody fires and discharges a weapon and neutralizes the guy. So it's like, it's like well, I, I don't even get it. Like after 2,000 years we were disarmed and now we live in Tel Aviv, I can't have a gun. What kind of thing is that? Oh, here in Jerusalem, I'm the, here the laws are let, like where I live, I'm allowed to have a gun. But if you live here, you can't get a gun. It's so stupid. And what, I'm not on the road, I'm not in the supermarket, I'm not. So, so I, I very much believe in, in the right and the privilege and the importance of carrying a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this had his, he had his head. No, but it's a gal. One second, you had a question. Go ahead. No, it's not an issue. She didn't get asked. Yeah. Um, I am one thousand percent in favor of that. I think you'd be surprised to know there was actually the left here in Israel that took uh, Arabic out of the school system. I am absolutely see. In the wildest dream of a right winger, we all know that we're still going to always live, even if there was a one Arab in Israel which it's never going to be. But even if that was true, we're still going to be surrounded in an Arab region. And we should understand the region. When you speak the language, you don't only speak the language, you understand the mentality. I, I, I think Arabic, for, on top of that, by the way, just on a linguistic level, when you understand Arabic, you understand many things in Hebrew. It's a cousin language. So I am totally in favor of that. I, I, you know, don't get me started on education. I get pissed off at the BS that they teach us for years about nothing. And like things like, 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 like Arabic, that would be so, so useful. I think every Israeli should be able to speak Arabic and Hebrew and English. I, I think that's, a, that's minimal. I think we should, and if we spoke Arabic, we'd, we'd be in much better shape because we'd understand what they're saying to one another and what they're saying on Facebook, which is frickin' horrific, okay? And we'd be like, uh, we'd be like, no, 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 no. See, that's not cool. We're not gonna let that happen in our society, okay? We would be much more on top of that. And then on the other hand, they would, we would have more ability to, to have you know, dialogue and understanding. We'd understand this region better. We'd understand our own language and our own culture better. We'd be more Middle Eastern. Problem with lefties is that they want to be Western. They always want to be Western instead of wanting to be actually Middle Eastern and with a touch of, a touch of Westernism. I got, I'm also a byproduct of Westernism, and I'm proud of that, but I'm also Middle Easterner. And it would help us think in a more Middle East fashion and understand how to deal with these issues better if we spoke Arabic. So I'm totally in favor of that. In general, one more thing. This is what I said to you earlier. Right-wingers, in general, have a much more affinity for Arabs because we're much kind of culturally closer. I like that question. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah, no, no. Sorry, this gentleman had it first. Okay, nice. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. The Honorable General. Yes. I'm against house demolitions. I think house demolitions look bad and are just not that smart. And Arabs can build a house up again in like three weeks. 
It's just like you know, <laughs> no, really. I don't, I don't mean that. I don't mean that as a joke. They literally, it's like it's like it's like a it's like it hurts us on the international scene. It doesn't really do anything. I'm much for I'm for much harsher uh, 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 punitive uh, like what like taking away residency. You're involved. Your your clan is involved. Your family's involved. You know you'll lose residency. You know three uh, terrorists after one after another come out of Jabal Mukaber. You guys, you guys lost your residency. Jabal Mukabra is a village. I got no problem with that. I'm like, I'm like, you're educating these people. It's coming out of your mosque. We know exactly where it's coming from. You guys are all, as, as families, you're you know, generally supportive of this. Certainly you're not coming out against it. No problem. Whoever comes out against it can keep the residency. You don't come out against it, you're gone. Pay for your own medicine. Pay for your own education. The state doesn't support you. We're done with that. We support people who are willing to live in our country. You want to support jihad? You got no place here. And we're certainly not going to pay for you. And then also, you don't see these house demolitions, and it doesn't get you know locked up in court. You don't see it. I don't need to hurt, to destroy any houses, but I'll take away your your your, your privileges here, okay? And that that's not going to be like visible on the screens with like tractors coming to a house, but it'll hurt much more, much more, okay? I'm for I'm for hurting bad guys. This is the this is the key thing. I believe in hitting bad guys hard so that you can be good to the good guys. Because the bad guys, they like, they like force the good guys to also cow down. I say be harsh to the bad guys so they can be good to the good guys. What does the left say? Don't be harsh to the bad guys, then we can't really be good to the good guys, so we just pull out. They're always just pulling out. That's the, that's the idea. Just like, yeah. uh, so, you know, let, let's just put them behind the wall and just, just take our sovereignty away where we could deal. I say deal with the bad guys so you can be good with the good guys. Alright? Yes? Shh, what? What was the first word? Two things I wanted to say. Um, adding on to the house demolition, do you believe it's appropriate to punish the families of the terrorists? Absolutely. With the guns and you know the situations, you believe gun laws should be more regulated, even though you know the idea of carries and stuff like that. Do you think you know school shootings will be you know an occurrence that will happen in the States? We have we have we have we have tons more guns than America. Like America's got more guns per capita. At the end, they say they say it's like two guns per every family in terms of the ecological guns. But in any case, this is a society with tons of guns. We have tons of guns here. Like, there's guns everywhere. You go to this, you walk down to Hanamarkazi, you see guns everywhere, right? So, like, look, we, we don't have... Our problem is not school shootings, you know? We're not that bored that we're going around shooting our own, you know, fellow students. You know, that's like... To me, it's like, I'm playing video games. I got nothing to do. I'm a you know, girl rejected me, so let's go shoot up everybody. I, I don't know what the deal is. I really don't know what the deal in America is. Here in Israel, we have, we have got to face bad guys. We've got enough to focus on facing the jihad and people want to go into the army and, and carry guns and be strong. We don't have a lot of, like... We're not, we're not wasting a lot of time, you know, kind of like 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 like... At the end of the day, Israel is a society with a lot of guns, and we don't have a lot of internal shootings. Some, but really not. That's not our problem. Well, you say leave them to the Palestinians or whatever, leave the guns. It's like, oh, wait, at one point you said leave the guns to somebody or whatever. Are you I'm not sure what you mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I don't. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Or leave the guns to somebody or whatever. No, no, leave the guns to anybody. No. Sorry about that. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Where are you from? Uh, Where? Oh, sure. Um, Heard him? <laughs> Invite me for a speaking gig there, you know? I'm uh, <laughs> trying to get out there. Yeah? Um, there are like a lot of uh, ethnic groups 
who've been persecuted around the world, who aren't currently in Muslim, who have a lot of history in places that they don't currently live, like ancient history, and they can't live there because it's not legal. So, like, how do you use that? If you're going to use that argument that we have a lot of history there, what do you say to other people, other groups who have ancient, ancient history in certain places? Sure. In the, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, there was developed a concept called self-determination. Okay? Some people were able to do self-determination, and people who were like got together and started you know, claiming their historical rights, their ethnic rights in certain places, and they fought for them and defended them, created borders around them. We have been one of the lucky uh, groups of people who have fought for self-determination successfully. Okay? We would love to see the Kurds, for example, have their own state. They deserve a state. They have every right to that statement. They've lived in that place for a long time, so on and so forth. I don't just because some people are losers means that they're not. I mean, they're not losers like they're losers. It's like they haven't won yet. That doesn't mean that that argument doesn't have merit. Just because there's some people who haven't been able to take. You know, most countries are like France and, and, and Germany and, and England are ethnic peoples conglomerated and defending their their ethnicity. So, 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 yes, there are some minorities who haven't gone home. Let me give you an example, okay? I'll give you a very good example. There's a lot of Jews who are into American Indians. They're called like Jubus. You ever heard of this? Like, Jews like, love to hang out with, like, with like, ethnic peoples. There's always like, Israelis and Jews hanging out with them. And I have a lot of friends who are like, those type of hippies. And, and they, um, they, I'm just using words to make it clear what we're talking about. And they said to me, like two guys, two separate guys told me that one day they like told the chief, the Indian chief, like, yeah, I'm Jewish. So the Indian chief was like, dude, your tribe has gotten their land back. We lost our land. We only wish we could get our land back. Go to your people and take up your, your tribe's, you know, fight and get your land back. So like, meaning to say, it's a great honor to be one of the people's that, that, that is going through this process of self-determination. On top of that, we have other rights, other, other uh, what I call loci of rights, other, other reasons why we have rights here. We have defended this land successfully from offensive wars. People have tried to murder us, destroy us, and we've pushed them back. That is actually a principle of international law that you gain rights when you push back an enemy. We have beautified a land that was generally empty. That's also a source of rights. We were recognized by the international community as having those ancestral rights. And basically, everybody in the world knew, you know, when, you know, 100 years ago, everybody read the Bible. Today, everybody's reading uh, Instagram with those weird faces. You know, but in the, in the past, everybody, you know, you know, everybody read the Bible. Everybody knew that the Jewish people were from here. Everybody respected that. You know, everybody respected that. I'm not even talking about the religious aspect of it all, but like, uh, you know, that is what the idea of self-determination is, and many, many peoples have uh, successfully utilized that model to go home. But not everyone can. Those people that can, you know, history is full of winners and losers. I, just because somebody else hasn't gone home doesn't mean I shouldn't. Yeah? Uh, what? I said like Villanova. Villanova? I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> is that a basketball thing? Yes. Yeah. I'm out of the picture, yeah. yeah. Uh, since I've been here, I've What's been your name? Kobe. Where are you from? Uh, LA, Los Angeles. Yeah. I'll be in LA next week. Awesome. Uh, since, since I've been I'll be home. debating 
J Street at the biggest reformed temple huh? in Beverly Hills next Thursday night. Not this, not this coming one, but the next one. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Live on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live on Facebook Live. That's a good idea. I will definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so since I've been here, I've been reading like a lot of articles and different people have said that like uh, that President Trump is like uh, if he's going to be good for Israel and uh, just say so you no, know, I, I voted for him, so I, I think it's going to be amazing. Uh, but I just want to know what you think. Like, is it going to be good for Israel? Or is it going to be bad for Israel? All right. Good question. Kobe asking in simple terms, what do you think about Trump vis-a-vis -vis Israel? Okay. Um, I want to say the following. I want to say a little preamble before I answer that question, okay? I was speaking to a group, not very different than this one, a little bit different orientation. I don't mean sexual. I mean, uh, uh, orientation. Yeah, uh, whatever. I'm not, no judgments. Take it easy. We're all cool. Um, uh, different orientation in that they were Habonim Dror. So they have a whole, like, uh, socialist thing going on. Anyway, so they asked, this was a few months ago, so they asked me a Trump question. And I'm like, I gave him my answer. And the next person was like, ask me another Trump question. And I'm like, shh, thanks. So I said, I said, you know, let me ask you a question before I answer your question. How many Knesset members can you name? Can you name me 10 Knesset members? 10 Knesset members. Can you name them? No. I mean, this is general. How about the top three issues that are being discussed right now in Knesset? Can you talk about them? I'm making a point. I'm making a point. My point is with respect to America and yeah. President Trump and their importance around this region, at the end of the day, Zionism means worrying about what Israel's doing, yeah. what our parliament's doing, what our economy's doing, what our army is doing. That's what I'm really concerned about. I can, I can talk about Trump. Yeah. I can talk about my opinion of Trump. But at the end of the day, like, I'm all about seeing what our people do and how we lead and move forward and what our actions are as opposed to what the Americans are going to do and how they're going to affect us. And in fact, I'm going to say something a little mean here. Should I say something a little fun and mean? Okay? Yeah. I'm going to be at APAC next week, okay? Uh, in D.C. I've been there, yeah. Okay. And there's... I'm about to say the mean thing. And there's, there's a tendency amongst American Jews a little bit uh, to overvalue the Trump... Clinton, American president, person, APAC in its role. I sometimes think that one of the reasons why they're so in love with the importance of these American presidents and all that is because it gives them a sense of justification that they're affecting Israel and saving and protecting Israel by voting for the right guy or making sure that the right senator is doing this and that and affecting American policy. But that really makes them feel like we're Zionists and that we're helping Israel but we're staying here in America and we're living in Los Angeles, right? And that's the way we're going to save Israel by still living the good life out here. And I think to myself, okay, you know, okay. And America was very important to the founding of the state of Israel, but like, don't over, overplay it. You know what I mean? It's really much more important what Israel's positions are, what Israel's policies are, and what we're going to do. Trump, in general, so far, now to get to the Trump question. So far, there's no question in my mind that Trump has got a lot of pro-Israel people in his cabinet. There's no question about that. I mean, the guy he just sent Steve over... Bannon. Huh? Steve Bannon. Huh? Steve Bannon. <laughs> Steve Bannon, who I actually was in touch with like a year ago just to publish some articles in Breitbart, uh, which I did. Wait, you published articles in Breitbart? Yeah. Crazy. Look it up. There's nothing no, crazy about it. No, Steve, Steve Bannon is a guy I have a email here. Yeah, he's a guy I had conversations with a year ago before this whole thing. And 
I have, I have, I have zero proof that the guy is anti-Semitic. That's, that's. I tell you, I don't care. You say, I'm not, I'm not like a Trump. I was happy that Trump won. I'll be honest, but I don't because I really thought that Clinton was a very bad person. Uh, but, but, but I don't like. I'm not, I'm not. I didn't vote for an American president because I'm again. I told you, I'm focused on here. In any case, I don't think Steve, Steve Bannon is anti-Israel. He was very happy when I published a Chevron piece there in, in Breitbart. Whatever. And other than that, there's other people who are obviously pro-Israel there. I think that if you listen carefully to what President Trump is saying, I think he's saying, Israel, it's your move. What you gonna do? Okay? What's gonna be your move? What do you want? Be a man, step up and say what you want and do it. And don't wait around for America to tell you what to do. Do your thing, do what you gotta do. Like make policy, be strong, be assertive. I think that's the opportunity here. I think we're probably gonna I mean, I don't want to say, but I, I think we're going to, you know, I, we have to be, we have to take what I call the Trump opportunity as, as a step. We've got to take the step and do what we've got to do to change, the, to kill the two-state solution, to, to assert sovereignty, to, to, to reign in jihad, to help our economy grow. I think there's opportunities there. I also think that we should stop taking American money in terms of foreign aid. Okay, I think that taking $3 billion a year, which is actually a very small amount of money, in terms of our economy, very small, is just bad for image, bad for self-image, bad for public image. I got no problem with trade. I got shh, no problem with partnership. I got no problem with working with America. America is a great country. I personally owe America a lot. My family owes America a lot. This country owes America a lot. But in other ways, they've also hurt us. I have no problem with partnerships, but I don't want to hand out anymore. We're too grown up for that. What if you saw like a 40-year-old nursing at his mother's bosom? Something's wrong with that, okay? That's not a happy image, all right? So I don't, I don't think that we should, I don't think we should be taking uh, American money at this point. You had a turn. I want to see if anybody else has a shot. Do you know about this? It's very important. This is Israel. Okay. Okay. Come on, somebody who hasn't asked the question. Yes, come on. Madrichim, you had a question. Madrichim, Madrichot. Thoughts, issues. Yes, Madrichot, come on, you guys know what's going on with these guys, how they're thinking, what they're saying. You got a question, bro? What's his name? Sapir, what? That is a nice name. I like that. I like that. It's all good. Shh. Give Sapir the give Sapir the floor. Come on. Huh? Speak up. He needs a thing. He needs a thing. He's he's passing. Come back. Yes. Question. I think that they. I think that they have to have some kind. Not believe. They have to have some kind of representatives for sure. Meaning to say, some kind of representation. I don't know if necessarily it has to be like a voting representative. It could also be. It could also be. It could also be like like when you have at the UN like observer status and other ways. I certainly think that they should have self governance. You know what I mean? I think. I mean to say within the framework of a Jewish state. I think that an Arab city should have you know, an Arab way of, of, of ruling that place and controlling that place. I think they should have governors, let's call them, of big, the, big, the seven big Arab cities and areas. They should have Arab, you know, governors in control, more like a muhtar, 
And that Mukhtar should be able to come to Knesset to talk to, you know, to talk, represent all that. I don't necessarily think that they should have the vote, to, the ability to change the policy of our country in general. I'll give you an example. I have a mashal. I call it a parable. I call it the parable of the Trumpists. Okay? You know what a Trumpist is? You know what a Trump is, anybody? Hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. That's right. Hitchhiking. Hey, hey, calm down. We're almost done. Hitchhiking. Uh, hitchhiking, we have these hitchhiking posts. Do you, have you ever picked up a hitchhiker? Yeah. Do you drive even? Yes? Yes? Okay, so I pick up hitchhikers every day, including today. I pick up, hitchh pick up hitchhikers every day. Shh. And when I pick up hitchhikers, I want to make sure that they're safe, comfortable, and get to their destination, but I'm not going to give them the steering wheel. So to minorities, I want them to be safe, comfortable, get to their destination, get all their rights, get what they need, but I don't want to give them the steering wheel of this little Jewish thing. Okay? That's my general attitude. I have, minorities will have, you know, whatever means representation, they will be heard, and they will be cared for, and they will be respected, and all that, but I don't think that they should run policy for the Jewish thing. Yes, sir? Sabir. Sabir. Go! Yeah. yeah. So, all your solutions, um, there was one missing spot. Mm -hmm. and what will you do with Gaza Street? Gaza Strip, Gaza Strip, I wrote it in. Gaza Strip, sadly, uh, has succumbed. We, we have given that land away. Uh, big mistake. Uh, now we have an enemy next door that we're going to have to deal with for years. In the end, it is a sovereign Arab-Palestinian state. A jihadist Arab-Sovereign-Palestinian state. Uh, and that's a reality. Uh, will, we, will we fight? In, your, in, in the combination of your solutions. They're, it's they're outside of my solutions. They're all outside because that is already a separate Palestinian state. Okay, uh, it could be, Sapir, that we'll have to fight a war, and I hope the next war we fight is to crush the Hamas, and not to just play, you know, play around with them and just teach them a lesson. None, none of that. We're either going to deal with it or not deal with it. But as it is right now, I, my solutions don't deal with that because it is a sad state of affairs that we've given that land away and turned it into a jihadist Palestinian state. Okay, so my solutions are just not dealing with that. With the West Bank and, and the rest. Uh, again, in a war scenario, Joker's wild. You know, we, we, we got to have a, you know, a game plan to, to uproot the bad guys. And I've, again, I, if you ask me, maybe, you, maybe I'll ask for you, could it be in a war scenario that we take it over again? And then what do we do with the Arabs? Same thing. Residency. If, suppress the jihad. Let normal people live a decent life. But of course it was a horrendous mistake. I had to happen to have lived through it and... You know, taking part in the protests against it, and you know, our state has made some 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 big mistakes. Our beloved Israel has made some big mistakes. That was one, in my opinion, of course. So, yes. How much time we have, friends? I think one more question. Good. You had an end. I want to see if anybody else that didn't have a chance to ask a question. Who's hiding there behind you? Who's who's there? Yo, yeah, you. You're hiding. Where? <laughs> yeah. Is that it? I'm not, I'm not trying to out you. If you want to hide, keep hiding. It's all right. It's, what about you? Where are you from? South Africa. South Africa. Where from? Joburg? Right? How was that? It's okay. In the Jewish community, it's okay. Other parts of Africa, Shh, I want to hear what? Other parts in Africa, yeah, not so much, but the Jewish community in Joburg, it's okay. What's the, what's the future of that Jewish community? Uh, for now. In your opinion? The future, not for now, the oh, future. Everyone's going to emigrate. To either Australia or to here, right? Australia. Right. Yeah, for sure. 
That's Aliyah for South, uh, South Africans. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Australia. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. All right. What about yourself? Moth bags. Mm, I'll intro up maybe one day. That's a good idea. Yeah. Think about it. Good Jewish state. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. All right, guys. Listen, let me, let's finish off by saying... Uh, I think you were. I think you were presented a, a different outlook here. Maybe um, I want you to know that I'm not representing just myself. I'm representing political parties, school systems, large communities, large amount of people. These are generally the thoughts. Uh, of course, Jews love to argue, so you can't just say that this, everybody thinks like this. But I gave you some general outlines of how the right wing generally thinks, uh, with some of the some of my own little additions. Um, we're really, we're really very positive about the future of the Jewish state. It's made some mistakes, but it, like, it's, it's going forward. The project, it's a little bit like standing on the earth. Right now we could be standing still, and look, I'm standing still. But really the, the world is moving at 10,000 miles an hour, you know? And that's the same thing with Israel. Like, sometimes it feels like we've got these issues and those issues and these problems, but the story of the Jewish people's return to the land of Israel is moving at lightning pace. Guys, when I was born, there was 3 million Jews here. Now there's 6 million Jews here. When I was born, this country was like a poor country. I remember when it was a poor country like 15 years ago. Poorer. Today it's just like, it's moving forward it's so strong. Something's really happening here. Something great is happening here. And also there's a return to Judaism, a love of Judaism that's coming back as well. I think it's amazing stuff. And of course, I urge you to marry Jewish. Uh, consider moving to this great holy land. And if you don't move here, consider being part of it in any other way. Like, little things, like Friday night, drink wine from the land of Israel, you know? Come here for the summer times, buy an apartment here, like, do something. Just be part of it, be part of this great story. And, uh, and I think you're going to be part of something really, really special. We're very lucky to have our souls in our bodies at this time here, okay? Our forefathers would only dream, and mothers would only dream of what we have today. That's it. Thank you very much.